Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya We offer our most respectful obeisances to that Lord Vasudev, uh, the worshipable Supreme Personality of Godhead, who comes in, in many forms and many features. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, it states, Eti Chamsakala Pumsa Krishna Stubhagavan Swayam Indrari Vyakalam Lokam Mridayanti Yuge Yuge. So, it is stated that uh, the Lord appears in ag again and again in many, many forms. He has his original form of Lord Krishna, and then he takes the form of many different incarnations. Um, and these incarnations are described as, as the Amsa and the Kala, um, so this is the Srimad Bhagavatam, and it says Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan, the original Supreme Personality of Godhead, and then all these other incarnations also appear. It is said, Srila Rupa Goswami says that um, the form of Lord Ramachandra is more than an amsa, more than a part of the Lord. He is, virtually speaking, the very same Lord. He is manifesting all the six opulences of the Lord. Um, there are, besides Lord Ramachandra, also Lord Nasringadev is manifesting all the six opulences of the Lord. And Lord Nasringadev is particularly manifesting the full power of the Lord. But Lord Ramachandra is manifesting the sweetness of the Lord. The pastimes of Lord Ramachandra are full of so many mellows, so many different experiences. Um, the pastimes of Lord Nishingadeva are short, comes out of the pillar, uh, rips up Hiranyakasipu, is angry, is pacified by the demigods and ultimately by Prahlad. But the pastimes of Lord Ramachandra are very extensive and there are so many varieties of human interaction. Um, Lord Ramachandra is, is non-different from Krishna. He's an expansion of, of Krishna. Mm. He is the avatar of Lord Krishna. In the um, Padma Purana, we find a description that we're dealing with Vasudev, Padyumna, Sankarshan, Padyumna, and Aniruddha, or the Chaturvyuha, these forms of the Lord. So one of the earlier expansions of the Lord. Um, so this says something 
about the nature of Lord Ramachandra. The unique feature of Lord Ramachandra is that Lord Ramachandra is dedicated to Dharma, to following religious principles. Of course, such Dharma is, uh, is prescribing people to act according to scriptural injunction. Everyone has to act according to prescribed duty, what to do, what not to do. Krishna, Krishna in Vrindavan shows a different feature. In Vrindavan, Krishna shows the feature of, uh, of the spiritual world. Uh, he is not controlled by any rules. He plays by his own rules. He is the Supreme Lord. He makes the rules. When Krishna steals, it's blissful. When Krishna dances with the wives of others, then it is the most amazing activity because he's Krishna. He's the Supreme Lord. Whatever he does is pure and transcendental. So in that way, Krishna displays more than Lord Ramachandra. He displays more of the absolute nature, the nature of the spiritual world. Lord Ramachandra shows how to act in such a way that one can attain the spiritual world. Krishna comes and shows the pastimes of the spiritual world. And then Lord Chaitanya comes. And Lord Chaitanya is the most generous of all. He is freely distributing that love of God. And he is himself displaying it. And in this way, he sweeps up everyone else in his enthusiasm. So like that, we're looking at, at these three incarnations which are shown in the sixth-armed form of the Lord, Sadbuj form, two arms for Lord Ramachandra holding bow and arrow, and two arms for Krishna holding the flute, and two arms for Lord Chaitanya holding Kamandalu and Danda. No. No, my nose cannot handle it. Very strong. Close the curtain. <laughs> Everything was good. Yes. No. <laughs> Still light, backlit, it wasn't there. <laughs> anyway. It is said that Ravana was flying in the sky and had a chariot that could move at will. That chariot was roaming the skies, and he was accompanied by many powerful demons who were riding various animals and also flying in the sky and holding different weapons. Sages were engaged in the Yuga Dharma, which is Jajato Makai, which is performing sacrifices in the age of Tetra. And as as these sages performed their sacrifices, these rakshasas would descend upon them and they would kill them and eat them and disturb the sacrifices. That demoniac forces were just incredible. And that is traitor yuga. We thought that Kali Yuga was the worst. No, Kali Yuga is the worst 
But in Kali Yuga, nobody is powerful. Even the demons are not powerful in this age of Kali. They were more powerful in the Treta Yuga. Oh. So very powerful demons were there feasting on human flesh. Mm. Many such Rakshasas resided in the forest and Ravana, who was the one flying that Puspak Viman, that plane. He had taken the plane from his half-brother Kuvira. And Kuvira, Kuvira was the treasurer of the demigods and Kuvira had been given this island of Lanka. And because Kuvira was very wealthy, the island was just full of golden palaces and therefore it was known as gold. And Ravana took away, uh, took away that island and he took away the plane from his brother and he roamed around the world looking for anyone he could defeat. Of course, he did encounter some difficulties. He did encounter some difficulties. It is said that when he was approaching Mount Kalash, suddenly his plane could go no further. And he's like, what is happening? I'm being checked in my progress. I'm being controlled in my movements. This was intolerable, intolerable. So, therefore, he decided to, to take action and he began to shake Mount Kalash. Then Lord Shiva pushed down Mount Kalash with his toe and Ravana's hands got cut under the mountain and he didn't know what to do anymore. He was totally caught. Then he was advised, pray, pray, uh, pray to Lord Shiva. So he did and then Lord Shiva let him go. So it was not all victory, but he made some mental adjustments and was just thinking, ah, I performed austerity and I got benedictions of Lord Shiva. In that way, he was indulging in his own power. This is the demoniac mentality. In the Ramayana, we're seeing how um, Lord Ramachandra is, is, uh, is so popular in the entire kingdom Everyone is adoring this prince, and therefore Lord Ramachandra is, is soon to be appointed as the Yuvaraj, as the one who is in line for the throne. And finally, Dasarat decides that he would like to uh, give up the throne and give it to Ram. Then, on the day before the coronation, that is when that mantra is speaking to that Kaikei, and all that I think we might be seeing more of today, of that 
discussion and we see how in the end uh, she takes Kaikei takes her bones uh, the bones that she earned from Dasarat and Kaikei is uh, requesting Ram to go to the forest it is Lord Ramachandra who takes it in extraordinary mood all of Ayodhya cannot believe what is going on. Ram, 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 who is their everything and dear most, is banished to the forest. Dasarat is dying. He cannot even speak. He is just lying on the floor. And Ram is not affected. He even seems to be quite happy. He's happily going to that forest. Uh, of course, we can appreciate that for a conditioned soul, Dharma is duty. And that for a conditioned soul, to follow Dharma is a matter of following external rules and regulation. But for Lord Ramachandra, he had realized the full depth of this Dharma. And he had realized the, the beauty of it. And he realized that anything else was simply maya, an illusion. Therefore, coronation or this or that, that was all just the illusory energy creating artificial importance. Uh, there was nothing that was important but the path of Dharma. And the path of Dharma, therefore, was the joyful path, because it was the path of the Supreme Lord. So Lord Ramachandra joyfully went. Sita, Sita, his wife, she was an equal match, because Sita was also 100% dedicated to the principles of Dharma, and therefore Sita was a complete inspiration for Lord Ramachandra. Because in every aspect of her behavior, she also was dedicated to the principles of Dharma. In this way, they were the perfect match. And when Lord Ramachandra came to say goodbye to Sita and to inform her that he was going to the forest, she said, no, it, it is my duty to be on the side of my husband. If you're going to the forest, I'm going to the forest. Now, to take a lady to the forest is complicated. So they were accompanied, accompanied by the residents of Ayodhya until they came to the river. And there uh, a boatman came, Guha, who had a close relationship with Dasarat, and he took Lord Ramachandra across. He was the king of the forest dwellers, the king of the Nisadas. So he made all the arrangements. Guha's man had made a camp. Guha's man made sure everything was okay. Uh, Laxman made a bed of leaves. And Lord Ramachandra and his good wife, they laid down to rest. Uh, Actually, before something happened was that there was a, uh, a group of, of wasps 
and these wasps had been drinking too much honey from the flowers, so they couldn't fly straight. But there was one who was not intoxicated. And then he was guiding the others how to, in which direction to go. So Lord Ramachandra pointed it out and he said, look, look, look at these wasps. Huh? Even they have to follow their guru. So when Sita heard that, she thought it was so funny. I mean, maybe in the traitor yoga jokes were a little different than they are nowadays. But Sita, when she heard it, she just cracked up and all the tension of having been banned to the forest was just relieved. Then that night, Laxman, he stood guard. Now it is said that Laxman's wife, she did not come to the forest, but that Laxman's wife was at home serving her husband. And what she was doing is she was, she was not only sleeping for herself, but she was also sleeping for her husband, so that her husband didn't have to sleep. Therefore, all these 14 years, Laxman never slept. Laxman stood guard at night, and his wife, Urmila, she would sleep at night. So in this way, uh, somehow or other, she also served her husband in another way. Um, yes. Um, Laxman was always the servant, uh, always the servant of his elder brother. And whatever his elder brother was, uh, was doing or deciding, he was simply accepting it. His elder brother was his master. It is explained how at one point, at one point after Sita had been kidnapped and they had some some indication from Jatayu, who was just who they had met in his last dying moments, that Ravana had taken her away towards the south. So Ram and Laxman were moving towards the south. Then there they encountered this personality. And this personality, he spoke to them and he spoke to them in a very cultured way because he spoke to them not only with appropriate words but even on the appropriate note not too high not too low but just on the appropriate note whatever that is so in this way it is described that hanuman introduced himself to Lord Ramachandra as Hanuman, the minister of King Sugriva, the monkey king. Then Laxman, Laxman spoke and Laxman introduced Lord Ramachandra and Laxman said, this is Lord Ramachandra, the Yuvaraj, in, of the Ragu dynasty, uh, 
the, the one who is to be crowned as king. Yes. And after thoroughly introducing Lord Ramachandra, he said, and I, I am his servant. He could have said, I'm his brother. But if he would have said that, then he would have shared in the glory. And that would have diminished the glory that he gave to Lord Ramachandra. Because then he would have actually exploited that glorification for his own glorification. Therefore, he did not do so. He gave all the glory to Lord Ramachandra. And in that way, uh, we see the very refined exchanges. Mm. Then we get the meeting with Sugriva, the pact that is made with Sugriva. Uh, Sugriva, whose kingdom was on the Kiskinda mountain, but there was one complication in the life of Sugriva. And the complication in the life of Sugriva was that he had a headache, a chronic headache. Some people do, and apparently even some monkeys do. What was the reason why Sugriva had this chronic headache? Uh, it was because every day, every day, his brother, Bali, would be flying through the sky and somehow or other find the head of Sugriva and kick it. And then he would continue to fly and land it out of Kiskinda. What was going on? It is said that in the time of yonder once, Bali, who was the king of the monkeys, became involved in a fight with some demon and that was happening in a cave. And then there was, uh, for a long time, no, 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 nothing, no news. And then finally, and they were waiting and waiting for Bali to come. Then they heard a terrible scream in Bali's voice. And it sounded really like Bali was dying. Bali had said, if somehow or other I die, I die in this fight, then close the mouth of the cave with a big rock. So Sugriva did that. And then Sukriva became the king, and then the wife of Bali became also his wife. It is sort of like that in the monkey world. And uh, <laughs> what can we say? So, in this way, they all, uh, everything went on. And then Bali re-emerged. Anyhow, but Bali became cursed. And the curse was that he could not set foot on the earth of Kiskinda. So, okay, that helped Sugriva. As long as he was on Kiskinda mountain, he was safe, except for that one kick on the head. So, by the arrangement of Hanuman, the minister of Sugriva, a pact was made between Sugriva and Lord Ramachandra that Lord Ramachandra would help Sugriva in dealing with, with Bali. He would kill Bali. And that Sugriva would help to find Sita. And so it came to pass. And we get that scene, you know, um, 
it's a scene I like, it's, it's, it's a dramatic situation where Lord Ramachandra is hiding behind a tree and Bali comes flying, flying to the sky and he's just about, about to give the daily kick to Sugriva and then suddenly Lord Ramachandra pierces him, pierces him with arrows and he crashes to the ground and Lord Ramachandra walks up and Bali looks at him and said, who are you? Who are you? What kind of coward are you that you shot me from an ambush from behind a tree? Are you a Ksatriya? Are you a man of honor? Are you a man of Dharma? How, how could you fight like this instead of facing your enemy? Then Lord Ramachandra said, Listen, Bali, the Ksatriyas, they fight like that with other Ksatriyas. But you, are not Exatria. You are an animal. You are not following any principles of Dharma. You, you are behaving like an animal. And Exatrias, they hunt and shoot animals from an ambush. And therefore, I was acting according to the principles of Dharma. And Bali, for the first time realized that actually he had behaved like, a, like an animal. Of course, these monkeys were not ordinary monkeys. These monkeys were very powerful monkeys because these monkeys were the sons, the sons of various demigods. And because they were the sons of various demigods, they had superhuman power. Ah. A long, long time ago, Ravana had performed austerities and in, in the course of performing these austerities, he had obtained benedictions and the benedictions that he had attained that he would not be killed by any Raksasa, by any Devata, by any demigod, by any demon, by the Kinaras, by any heavenly creatures. And he listed them all except human beings and animals because after all, he had nothing to fear from such inferior creatures. But now, uh, Bali killed. Now, Sugriva, his ally. Now, Sugriva gave the order to the monkeys, to all his monkey subjects, go, go to the south, go and find Sita. And if you don't find her, don't come back. And they knew what that meant. If you'd come back. <laughs> so no one would be to come back. Yes. They looked everywhere. They went to the southernmost tip, the southernmost tip of India. Nowhere a sight of Sita. 
Oh, they didn't know what to do anymore. They knew if we, if we return now without any success, then finished. We may as well die here. So they all decided to fast and they were lying there on the hill. Then, as they were lying on the hill, fasting and not drinking, they became more and more weak. And as they became more and more weak, they were lying on their backs. On top of that mountain, on top of that mountain, there was a vulture. And that vulture, that vulture came walking down the mountain. That vulture was somebody. Since long, his, his wings had been damaged and he could not fly. And as a result, when a vulture cannot fly, that is... So he didn't have much to eat. He was very hungry. And he is looking and he's saying, look at this, look at this, a feast. The whole mountain is filled with food. And he walked down and the monkeys are saying, oh, this is it, this is it, this is the end, this vulture is going to eat us now, it's over. And simp and all because Jatayu, before he died, told Ramachandra that Sita was taken to the south, but we couldn't find him. Somebody heard Jatayu. He said, Jatayu, Jatayu is dead. Jatayu was his brother. When Jatayu, they were both, they were both sons of the sun god. And when Jatayu was young, he was flying and flying too high, too close to the sun, and his elder brother flew past him and covered him with his wings. But as a result, he burned his wings. And now, the monkeys had said, Jatayu is dead. So anyway, when his food turned out to be friends of his brother, <laughs> that was a problem, <laughs> because then he couldn't really eat them. And next moment, since they were going to find Ravana, the killer of his brother. Sampati joined the search. Now, as we know, vultures, they have telescopic eyes. They can see many, many kilometers distance. Uh, so Sampati went. He went on top of the mountain and he looked, uh, he looked at uh, in all directions and then he saw Sita. He saw Sita in the Ashoka Grove uh, on the island of Lanka. So when this news was brought to the monkeys, then, of course, a great celebration. They went back. They went back to Sugriva. And what they did, 
Sugriva had a private fruit orchard, which was forbidden. And any monkey that dared to go into that garden and take any fruit, <laughs> finished. <laughs> and all the monkeys, after all that fasting and after all that searching, they just went into Sugriva's garden and they ravaged it. They ravaged it. They just just destroyed it. They ate all the fruit. I mean, they made a total mess. And it's like the royal guard was just getting like totally upset. But Sugriva said, no, 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 it's okay. They must have found Sita. They would have never dared to do such a thing unless they found Sita. So in this way, the monkeys took advantage. And oh yes, oh yes, Sita was found. Anyway, then of course starts the whole thing where the army of monkeys is standing before the ocean, looking at Lanka, but how are they gonna cross that ocean? And then no one can do it, but Jambavan. Jambavan, who is the oldest. Jambavan is one of the earliest creatures in the entire universe. Jambavan, therefore, Jambavan, he knows so many things. And Jambavan was saying, there is only one person one person who can do this. It is Hanuman. And Hanuman's like, uh, oh, I, I can do this. How can I go to, to cross this ocean and go to Lanka? And then Jambavan said, oh, Hanuman, listen. A long, long time ago, when you were born, you were so powerful. You were the son of Ayu. Your mother, uh, your mother, Angada, she, she was actually from the celestial regions and she had been cursed that she would have to go to earth and give birth to a child and be a monkey at that time. But that as soon as she had given birth to the child that she could return. So after his mother had given birth, she was, her curse was up. She could return to the heaven planets. So she had to leave. And Hanuman said, grabbed her, and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, where are you going? She said, well, my curse is over. I'm going back to the heavenly planets. She said, no, you can't go. You are my mother and I am hungry. <laughs> and she said, no, no, don't worry about that. You know, you just eat anything that is round and red. Well, it was night and Hanuman was waiting and there was nothing that was round and red. But in the morning, the sun was rising and it was round and red. So Hanuman jumped up and flew into the sky and was ready to start devouring, devouring the sun. So, you know, suddenly, uh, the whole universe was in trouble, right? Here is this huge monkey about to 
devour the sun. And uh, at that point, uh, Indra had to take action. So Indra threw a, a thunderbolt and broke the jaw of Hanuman. And in this way, Hanuman was not able to eat the sun. But then Vayu, who was his father, became very angry and he, he withheld air from the whole universe. So that was also a real problem. <laughs> so then when there was no air, then they quickly all pacified Hanuman, fixed his jaw and this and that, and gave him many benedictions. And it was Brihaspati, the spiritual master of the demigod, who gave Hanuman the best benediction. Namely, he told him what he could eat, and that helped. Uh, but then uh, Hanuman con continued. He was too powerful and a child, and a powerful child is trouble. And right? he's just too wild and, and a wild child. So therefore, they cursed Hanuman that he would forget his own power and that it would only come back to him when he was reminded of it. And, and Jambavan knew about this. So Jambavan reminded Hanuman of his power. And then suddenly Hanuman re rediscovered his original power. And Hanuman just took a huge form. And with that form, he just jumped into the air and flew towards Lanka. As he came to Lanka, on the way, there were some adventures also, but we'll skip those for today. On the way to Lanka, Lanka was being guarded by Lanka Devi, uh, a, a witch, a witch who was guarding the walls of Lanka. But she knew that the day uh, that she would be defeated by a monkey, uh, that day would be the end of Lanka. Well, you know, when Hanuman came to Lanka, he took a very small form. And he was a very small form, and with this small form, he sort of just was just about to jump over the wall into the gardens of Lanka, when suddenly Lanka Devi came and said, stop! And it came to a confrontation. And in the end, Hanuman, he said, what will you do to stop me? Oh, she said, I will not allow you to go. He said, you can't stop me. He said, well, you try. He said, if you try to stop me, I will beat you. She said, you little monkey, what can you do? And beat me. But he was small, but still very strong. So then he beat Lankadevi, who then uh, fell on the ground and realized that she had been defeated and that now the end of Lanka was near. Hanuman scouted out, looking everywhere for Sita. It was the night he came into the palace of Ravana. Ravana was sleeping there and many queens were sleeping there as well. And he was trying to figure out who was who. I mean, so many ladies sleeping there, which one's Sita? <laughs> it's pretty complicated. I mean, you know, he didn't have pictures. So what to do is sort of looking at, is this Sita, is that Sita? Hanuman couldn't figure it out. Who was Sita? 
But, and there was one lady lying next to, to Ravana. He's thinking, is that Sita? No, that was also not Sita. Then morning came and Ravana went to the Ashoka Grove where Sita was kept. And Ravana, Ravana had in his days, uh, besides performed austerities and gotten many boons, he also had a few curses on his head. And one of the curses was from a woman he had taken by force. And, uh, and he was cursed uh, that if he would ever again take a woman by force, that he would die. So Ravana was a little scared of these curses. So he never, therefore, he didn't take Sita by force. But he tried to scare her into it and pointing out there was these Rapsasis torturing her, surrender to Ravana, otherwise you'll suffer tremendously. And Ravana was threatening her, if you do not surrender soon, then I will have you for breakfast. And it was, was not a breakfast invitation, if you know what I mean. Uh, uh, it was a... Uh, a threatening, unpleasant situation. So Sita was suffering greatly. Um, and then Hanuman, who was carrying, um, carrying some attributes of Lord Ramachandra, a ring, uh, Hanuman appeared before Sita. Sita was thinking, it was Ravana, now in a monkey outfit. He's thinking, what is this, Ravana? What new trick is this, dressed up like a monkey? But then Hanuman presented the ring, and in this way she knew that he was a real messenger of Ramachandra. And Hanuman told her, soon an army will come. And, Ar and Hanuman, of course, they said his, he got caught, they set his tail on fire, and with that he burned down half of Lanka and flew back. And then the army of monkeys made the bridge, they wrote the name of Ram on the stones. It was their faith in Lord Ramachandra that made those stones float. And so a bridge was there across to Lanka. It said later, Lord Ramachandra, after the war was over, destroyed that bridge with one of his arrows. So, and then of course, there's the great battle and in the end, um, Sita is regained. Well, that should have been a happy moment, a moment of reunion. And just then at that happy moment, Lord Ramachandra says, you can go to Sita. Now you are free, now you can go. What does he mean, now you can go? All the monkeys looked at what's happening here. All this fighting, we got Sita back, and now she can go. What's happening? Uh, so you spent the night in another man's home. I can no longer take you back. Uh, but Sita said, let the power of my chastity be proven by fire. I will enter into fire, and if I come out unharmed of the fire, then know that I have not been touched 
by Radha. So she entered into the fire, and Lord Ramachandra didn't try to stop her, yes, enter into the fire. He was totally detached. And monkeys were like just losing themselves after all that fighting and everything. And then, uh, but it turned out that when Ravana came to kidnap Sita, that Sita had jumped into the fire and that actually my, an illusory Sita had been taken by Ravana and that the real Sita had been kept by Agni with Parvati and that later, uh, later when after the battle, when the Maya Sita entered back into the fire, then the original Sita re-emerged from the fire and united with Lord Ramachandra. Then they all got on board of that Puspak plane, not only Sita Ram, but also all the monkeys, because that plane could grow to any size. It could fit as many passengers as there were. Uh, it would just adjust in size to the passengers. So they flew, they skinned, and then Sita said, oh, we should take the, the queens of the monkeys as well. So they did. They let those in as well, and the plane just grew a little bigger. And they flew to Ayodhya, and they were all there in Ayodhya. Then Lord Ram was greeted by Bharat and the kingdom was offered to him and Lord Ramachandra ruled along with Sita. And then one day, when as the king, he was incognito in the, in the, in the kingdom, he saw one man who had an argument with his wife. And this man said, no, 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 you're not coming back in the house. No way, I'm not taking you back because you spent the night in another man's house. Scripture says one should not take back a woman who spent the night in another man's house. I'm not like our king who took his wife back. No, I will not take you back. When Lord Ramachandra heard that, it was like a bomb exploded. His whole life caved in because he had to sacrifice his own, his own heart's desire. He had to sacrifice his love for Sita, for the welfare of the kingdom as a matter of duty. And he told Sita to go. And Sita left. And Sita wound up in the ashram of Valmiki. And Sita, turned out, was expecting. And Sita gave birth to two sons. Later, later, we see that Lord Ramachandra after having been convinced of Sita's purity once again, that he's ready to take her back. But Sita had enough. And Sita disappears into a crack in the earth. And this is the end of the Ramayana. And it is just too much, too much. Therefore, 
the Ramayana is just too much. How can Ram give up Sita? How can, how is it possible? What good is that? This Dharma, this old devouring Dharma, what about love? When Dharma is about love, no, say the devotees of Krishna, no, love above Dharma. That is Krishna. Again and again, he places love above Dharma. Huh? He says, I shall not fight in this battle of Kurukshetra. And then he fought, takes up the wheel of a chariot to protect Arjuna. Love, love before Dharma. Oh, yes. Huh? That is Krishna. That is the spiritual world. So Dharma is the preparation. The preparation of, of walking the path of purification. But then when it comes to the stage of actually spontaneous attraction to Krishna in the heart, then we go beyond Dharma. And we go to the point of love. And there we move on from Lord Ramachandra to Krishna. And so, in this way, uh, we, devotees of Krishna, uh, once a year, once a year we focus on Lord Ramachandra. Uh, because we see that although this Dharma is glorious, that ultimately there is more. Uh, there is pure bhakti. And simply, uh, simply being absorbed in the loving relationship with the Supreme Lord. Uh, that is the core of, of this movement. Uh, although we also begin with regulative principles, uh, we also first follow rules and regulations strictly and only in more advanced stages can one act on the spontaneous platform. Oh. So the Ramayan is a, is a book. One can draw many lessons. Um, it is a book where we get a deep insight in the intricacies of Vedic culture. Well, we've been discussing that we don't know what Vedic culture is, but the Ramayana is a book that describes the conditions of the Treta Yuga, um, when Vedic culture still existed in, in a, to a great degree of purity. So through the Ramayana, we can pick up many principles of Vedic culture. And the Vaishnav Dharma or Vishwadharma or Prema Dharma of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement runs in many ways transcendental to, to Vedic Dharma. But then it also goes beyond that. 
because the ultimate dharma is whatever is pleasing to Krishna. Um, and therefore, Sita cannot be sent away, therefore, Radharani cannot be sent away. We object. This cannot be allowed. No. Uh, just because some low-class man and some low-class woman made some low-class comments, uh, we don't care about such low-class comments. Uh, we just say, Sitaram cannot be separated. They are eternal concerts. Uh, as Lord Chaitanya explained, the body of Sita is never material. Of course, Ravana did not touch the body of Sita because Sita is transcendental. She cannot even be seen with mundane eyes. What to speak of being touched? Sita is, is the eternal concert of the Lord. And even a moment of separation is unbearable. As Sita did not want to be separated from the Lord when he was going to the forest, we don't want Sita to be separated after from Lord Ramachandra after he ascended the throne. In this way, we just simply want to see Sita Ram eternally together because uh, between them is the perfect exchange of love. Uh, and, and so uh, we are ending our little discussion on the Ramayan. Bhaktisiyani Maharaj comes at six, is it? Yeah. So we can take some questions. Are there any questions? We can have a microphone here, or we can also have questions from the internet. If anybody has, I will. Okay, there's one from my TV. Why is what? Um, <clears throat> amongst the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, uh, we are not um, going deeply into the uh, commemoration of the pastimes of Lord of Lord Ramachandra, because um, our focus is Krishna. And to not take away from the focus of Krishna, we are uh, limiting our worship of the personalities in the Ramayana to once a year during Ram Nomi. So we are today uh, honoring not only Lord Ramachandra, we are first honoring Sita Devi. Uh, Prabhupada explains the energy is always first. Sita Ram, Radha Krishna, Lakshmi Narayan, uh, the energy of the Lord is always, always first. Therefore, she's also honored today, but we're limiting our worship of Lord Ramachandra to one day a year 
because Krishna, Lord Krishna is our Istadev, our focus is, is on Krishna. Um, we offer our obeisances to Lord Ramachandra, but ultimately we turn to Krishna. Okay, yeah, I'm hearing your voice. Um, oh, demigod. Well, Hare Krishna and yeah, these microphones. I, uh, I didn't mention it, but I maybe didn't elaborate on it, but I mentioned how he had to uh, give up private interest for the common interest. That is a principle of Dharma, Raja Dharma. The king will have to give up his personal interest for the interest of the kingdom. So, of course, it was not in his personal interest to send Sita away. It broke his heart, it broke her heart, it was just destroying his life. But what to do? He had to teach. He had to teach the subjects in the kingdom that there was no question of deviating from Dharma. And therefore, for the greater good of society at large, he had to sacrifice like that. So Dharma is not so simple. There's, there's complexities because there are uh, contradictions in Dharma. Uh, conflict of interest may arise. There was a conflict of interest between the national good and his, his family's good. And he had to give priority to the national good and even sacrifice his family, which was a disaster. Um, exactly how he came to the point of, uh, of bringing her back, it's a little gray in my memory. I can't remember it right now. I would have to look it up how that went again. There was a reason. Love and Kush had something to do with it. They'd grown up, they'd gone around glorifying, uh, glorifying Lord Ramachandra and so on. In that confrontation, somehow or other, he, he, he invited her back, but exactly what was the tipping point, I forgot. Mm -hmm. Someone on my phone asked the question uh, about sweetness. I said that the pastimes of Lord Ramachandra were more sweet, but there seems to be so much suffering. Yes. Well, okay, but there was also a lot of sweetness, also many sweet exchanges. There is suffering, undoubtedly. It is happening in the material world, and in the material world, there is no such thing as only sweetness. Still, the sweetness of Lord Ramachandra's pastimes is that there is a huge uh, range of emotions displayed. Whereas if you compare that to Lord Nishingadev, then it's basically power that is being displayed. It's, it's according to Rupa Goswami. 
But Rupa Goswami described the sweetness in Lagu Bhagavatamrita of Ramachandra's pastimes, and it means because there was a wide range of emotions being displayed there. And in this way, um, we can actually, uh, when we carefully read the Ramayana, get a lot. Uh, we get a lot about how to deal with all these different emotional experiences that come up in the course of spiritual life. And that is the sweetness, that all those mellows are there. That there was a little bit of suffering here and there, uh, that's also there, but that's part of the material world. What can you do about that? Well, yeah. About sons, two sons. I spoke that Mother Sita has two sons. Yes. So, like, what is the significance of readjusting this tree in the sense that okay. I remember reading some of it that at some point uh, we sons were given land, right? We were given land, that Kush was given some land, and of course, Lava was also given land. Mm -hmm. Now we had like Africa actually belonging to Kush, and historically, Africa was called Kush. So, like, why is this? Well, okay. Uh, I have heard that. I have not read that somewhere, but I've heard that that this land was given to Kush and that it was known as Kush. I've seen it on the uh, internet, but uh, I don't know any Shastric reference. But all right, assuming that it that it could be true. Um, Aksatriya is, a, is, a, is by nature a king, a ruler. So a king must rule something. Therefore, when a king had a number of sons, he would assign something to his sons so that each one had a territory to rule. So if this area was part, was assigned under Kush, then that was a great blessing for this area. And of course, we understand that it is said that at the Vedic times, the whole earth was known as Bharatvarsa, huh? that the entire world and that Vedic culture was the predominant world culture. Then over time, as the Yugas passed on, that Vedic culture became more and more degraded until now that we are in the age of Kadi and there's not much left of it. Uh, maybe some remnants at best, right? So here in Africa and in many parts of the world, we have lost our roots. In Europe, the Christian culture covered the original European culture, whatever that was. Huh? And America also, the Christian culture 
covered the local culture. Here also, the local culture is lost. And even in whatever tradition is there of African tradition, it's incomplete. Right? And a lot, it's not written down, a lot of things are unknown. Some things are carried forward from ancestors and so on, but it's not, not completely clear as to what that tradition was in the full sense. So now we get further information how ultimately once there was Vedic culture also in Africa. So when we speak to African people, we can explain to them that yes, this is actually our own culture. This is not a foreign culture. This is the original world culture. Uh, and in this way, uh, people don't have to see, oh, this is a foreign thing, this is an Indian thing. It's not. It's actually going to the roots of time when the whole world was united. When India was not known as India and when Africa was not known as Africa, but when Africa was known as Kush and India was known as Bharatvarsa and how Kush was also part of Bharatvarsha, the land of Bharat. Uh, and still nowadays, uh, people in India, some, some sadhus and respectable people refer to India as Bharat. Uh, His Holiness Krishnadas Maharaj would never say India. Eh? He would only say Bharat. Well, that is correct, actually, because the, the, the name India is a Muslim name given by the Muslims. Bharat is actually the original name. So, so in Vedic times, the connection between Africa and, and the, whole, the whole world was united in the Vedic culture at that time. Okay, so then very soon Bhakti Chaitanya Maharaj will appear. Huh? Oh, he's speaking from his room. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, okay, I can have Kirtan for 10 minutes and then Maharaj will start. Hi. <clears throat> huh? What is that? The drama is happening now? Yeah? Can, yeah, yeah, drama. No, they can be, yeah, 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 you're the... If there's no master of ceremonies, then it's misery. So, <laughs> since you have asserted your authority, it's going to be dramatic, boys. Very dramatic. <laughs> Hare Krishna.